Oh, praise the Lord. Let's, let's, go to, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, once again, I'm just so grateful for your presence here this morning. God, I pray that you would just be with us as, as the word comes forth. God, that um, I'm just reminded once again of, of the scripture, that my speech and my preaching would not be with persuasive words of human wisdom, but would be in the demonstration and power of the spirit, that our faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Holy Spirit, I pray you would come and that you would do a work in us this morning. God, that through your word, that you would just wash us clean and that you would refocus our attention upon you. We honor you. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to give you a quick recap of, of what we talked about last week. Um, so last week was our, uh, our, our first service of 2020, wasn't it? Yeah, it was our first service of 2020. And, uh, and so what Harmony normally does on our first service is we give the word of the year. The Lord speaks to us through a word that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the year. Um, and so that word for us was wonder. That word for us was wonder. And I'm going to talk more about wonder this morning. Um, but some other things I feel like the Lord is preparing us to step into this year. Um, I shared last week as well. Uh, one of those things is I believe that the Lord is going to begin moving us deeper into the prophetic. And I explained a little bit what that means. A lot of times when you think of the prophetic, you immediately think of foretelling the future or somebody saying that this is what's going to come to pass or something along those lines. And obviously uh, the, pro or pr the prophetic can be that. It can be used that way, but it goes much deeper than that. The prophetic is actually a way of building up the body of Christ. It's a way of, of, um, of, like I said, building up the body of Christ. It's a way of, of what's the word I'm looking for, of uh, enhancing, I guess. Um, that's not the word I was looking for, but you understand what I'm saying. Um, so I, I believe, once again, that the gift of the prophetic is going to operate in 2020. And, and here's where I think it's going to operate the most. I think people are going to be called into new things and into new expressions. So I think people are going to be called into new things and into new expressions. Um, again, I know the, that the prophetic is maybe something that we're not super familiar with here at Harmony, and, and I do feel like the Lord is going to uh, bring some revelation to that for us through some teaching. Um, but to give you an idea of what that looks like, I, I, I went back, and I'm a glutton for punishment. I went and listened to myself on uh, the message from last week. And as I was listening, I realized that the whole message was a prophetic call. It was, I was, it was a declaration of where we are moving, that we're going to be moving into the prophetic, that we're going to be solidified as sons and daughters, that, that we're going to be moving into this place called wonder. And it was, it was a prophetic call declaring where we are going. And that's, that's really what the prophetic looks like. Earlier this week, too, I, I keep running into the prophetic more and more now um, after I feel like the Lord has shared this. Uh, Elizabeth Harner, who's not here this morning, texts me, and she, uh, she had this word um, that she received from the Lord while we were in service last week. And she had it written out, it was just a, a couple sentence, like a little phrase that the Lord had given her. And she texts me, she says, hey, I'm thinking about painting this, uh, making a painting about this. What, what do you think? And I told her, I was like, I think that would be awesome. And then all of a sudden it hit me and I felt like the Lord, the Lord gave me this uh, to send back to her. And I text her back and I told her, I said, I feel like the Lord is going to begin using you in prophetic painting and prophetic uh, uh, gifts when it, when it comes to artwork. 
And you know, Elizabeth obviously is an extremely talented, extremely gifted artist, but I, feel, I told her, I feel like that you're going to be, begin painting images that come from the mind of God. And that is going to speak life into different people. And it's going to, uh, to edify, that's the word I was looking for earlier, edify the body and edify people and call them into something new. And, and so it just, it just came out. That, that's what, prophetic, what, what the prophetic looks like and what I believe the Lord's going to begin doing here is that he's going to begin calling people into deeper levels of intimacy, first of all, with him, but into also new expressions of life, that things that are inside of you that you didn't realize are there is the seeds that are inside of you are going to be, begin to be called out of you into new expressions, into new ways of worship, into new ways of, of ministry. And so, and that's going to be called out of you through the prophetic. Does that make sense? So that's one thing I believe the Lord's going to be doing. I believe that our worship is going to begin to be centered around thanksgiving and therefore we begin to experience more freedom in our worship. That worship is going to become less about self. It's going to become less about our own preference. It's going to become less about um, uh, us being able to draw something from the music or from, from the worship. And it's going to be more outward focused, more upward focused to where it's going to be about him and less about us. And that in that, when we begin to express more thanksgiving and when it becomes more about thanksgiving, there's going to come this freedom, and I'm going to talk more about this uh, in the message, there's going to become this freedom from the opinion of man because it's not going to be about me anymore. It's not going to be about the others in the crowd. It's going to be about thanksgiving to him and that in that we're going to lose our focus or lose our influence from the opinions of those around us and we're going to get to an experience a new expression and a new wave of worship, and and ahead of myself in all this, but um, and I want to clarify something with this as well. We are not trying to make Harmony Christian Church look like some other church or some other expression. Um, we're not trying to make Harmony Church look like the Ramp, for instance, where we came from, where they're very expressive in worship. We want something authentic here, so. We want, we want the Lord to do something inside of us. So when I'm talking about a freedom in worship, I'm not saying that I'm going to force you guys to get out of your seat and jump and run around and be crazy. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking to try to, to recreate something from someplace else. I want it to be authentic. I want it to be real, and I want it to be about him. And I want it to be free from the opinions of man. And if that looks like somebody getting out of the aisle way, and jumping and worshiping and singing at the top of their lungs, even though they can't sing, which is me, then awesome, as long as it's authentic and real. As long as it's authentic and real. I want it to be authentic. I want it to be a move of God. And I believe that as we step to this thing of wonder and as we step into this thing of, of moving into thanksgiving, that we're going to be freed from the opinions of man and that that real, authentic expression of worship that's inside of you is going to be manifested. It's not going to look like somebody else's. It's going to be authentically you, and it's going to be real. Amen? So I believe, I believe that's what we're moving into. Amen. I'm excited about that one. We've also been talking a lot about identity, our identity as the beloved, our identity as sons and daughters. And I, again, I believe the Lord is going to solidify us in that this year. 
we've, we've talked about it for, I think, like three months. Uh, we talked about that idea in a row. And I don't think that the Lord is giving up on that. That, the, that though there's been lots of teaching, I believe the Lord is going to solidify in that, solidify that in us. And because of that, we are going to begin walking in a confidence of who we are like we never have before. You're going to notice a theme today about losing our uh, influence of the opinion of man. That we're going to become uninfluenced by the opinion of man. And I believe that as we begin to be solidified in this identity of belovedness and the identity as sons and daughters, that we are going to begin walking in such a confidence where the opinions of others is not going to matter to us. Amen? In that confidence, this one I'm real excited about as well, I believe we are going to become the light of our cities and begin to experience citywide transformations. That, that as we become upward focused, we're going to also become more outward focused. That the heart of the Father is going to begin to uh, manifest itself in us, and the heart of the Father is for those around us. That we're going to begin pushing our reach out further to the cities around us. I, I mentioned this last week. It's no coincidence that Harmony sits on the corner of four counties. Four? Yeah, four counties. We sit on the corner of Madison County, Grant County, uh, uh, Howard, and Tipton County. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I used to, uh, we used to think that maybe that, that was a little bit of a problem because it was like, which city do we we invest in? Do we invest in Elwood? Our address is technically Elwood, but most of our people belong in Madison Grant. We invest in Madison Grant. We have some people from Tipton. You know, where do we invest? And I, I used to think that was a problem and, and like uh, trying to figure out, Lord, where do you want us to invest? And it's just like the Lord was like, no, that was on purpose. That your influence isn't going to be just one city. Your influence is going to be the regions around you. And so I think that we're going to begin seeing uh, city transformations as we begin investing in these cities. And I believe that heaven is going to invade earth in our cities. Amen? Amen. So these are, these are the things that I believe that the Lord's doing. And again, all of this is going to come as a byproduct of, our, of coming into a place of wonder. That we are not going to have to try to move into these things on our own. We're not going to force the prophetic. We're not going to force uh, thanksgiving and worship. We're not going to force all of these things. That I believe that when we move into a place of fascination with him, we will inherit, the, inherit these things as a byproduct that he will begin pouring these things out on us. And it's not that we're chasing after them and trying to make them happen. It's that as we become focused on his wonder and his splendor, as that becomes renewed inside of us, that he is going to begin to pour these things out onto us. We're not chasing after things, trying to make them happen. We're focusing on one thing. One thing have I desired of the Lord. And that one thing will I seek, that I may know the Lord. Amen? That is what we're after, the wonder of God. And that out of wonder, these things, I believe the Lord is going to pour out on us in this year. Amen? Let's go ahead and jump in, into the scripture. So that's, that's the end of the review. We're, we're going on to other things as, now this morning. If you have your Bibles, open them with me to Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. This is where we're going to be for the remaining of the service here. Matthew 18, verses 1 through 4. Y'all awake this morning? Amen. 
I'm expecting some hooting and holler this morning, okay? Help me out a little bit. Let me know you understand what I'm saying, all right? So Matthew 18, we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. It says, At this time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, asked Jesus, Who is considered to be the greatest in heaven's kingdom realm? Jesus called a little one to his side and said to them, Learn this well, unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, you will never be able to enter in. Whoever continually humbles himself to become like this gentle child is the greatest one in heaven's kingdom realm. So unless you become like a child, become walk in wonder, wide-eyed wonder like a child, unless you come to the kingdom in that way, you will not be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. You will not be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, when you look up the Greek word for child there, it's the word pation, which I like to believe is where George Lucas got the idea for Padawan in Star Wars, which has nothing to do with my message this morning, other than I want to reveal to you how much of a nerd I am. You already know. That's right. So the Greek word pation means this. It actually just simply means child. Surprise, surprise, right? The Greek translators got it right. The word pation means child. So what is the Lord trying to tell us here? Is what, what does he mean by we have to, in order to enter into the kingdom, we have to approach him in childlike wonder, in wide-eyed childlike wonder, what is the Lord trying to tell us? What does it mean to approach in childlike wonder? So that's what we're going to talk about this morning, is how do we approach in childlike wonder? So the first thing I want to share with you is this, and, and how do we approach in childlike wonder? Children are, first of all, teachable. And it even says that there in, in the Scripture. It says um, and that unless you dramatically change your ways of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, you'll not be, in, be able to enter in. So children are, first of all, they're teachable and they're pliable, right? Have you ever tried to convince a grown man that he's wrong? Ladies in the room, have you ever tried to convince your husband that he's wrong? Men in the room, have you ever tried to convince a grown woman that she's wrong? That's even harder, right? <laughs> so several years ago, I used to do construction. And uh, this was one of my first jobs when I uh, came on to work with one of my best friends, Nick Kokenderfer. And uh, we owned a, a construction business together. Um, at this point, I was just coming to work for him. And the very first job we did was a window job. Um, so we, we were replacing the windows all throughout this house. So uh, this, this guy at this house, his name was Alva Parkins. I, maybe I shouldn't have told you his last name, but there it is anyway. His name was Alva. And uh, Alva was, was an interesting guy, okay? He, was, he just had some weird ideas, weird opinions. But anyways, we're, we're doing these windows for Alvin. Alva, I'm sorry, Alvin. Alva. And uh, we get all the windows in, and we go back, and we, we, we got the spray foam, the expander foam, and we're going to begin to insulate around the windows. Now, Alva, once again, very special guy, 
comes to us and says, I bought enough Expandafoam. For those of you who know, have ever used Expandafoam, you know where this is going to go. I got enough Expandafoam for you to use one can per window. And it wasn't the blue can. It was the red can, which the red can, for, yeah, I've already heard some in the crowd, the red can is the stuff that expands like majorly, like it's supposed to, it's made to fill large holes, not go around windows. So he tells us this, and we're like, Alva, listen, man, you don't want us to use you you don't want us to use this, and you definitely don't want us to use the whole can on one window. We're talking about like a, maybe a half inch gap around the windows, and this stuff can expand up to three four inches. You know, it's it's major, and he's like, I listen, I know what I want. I'm like, no, listen, you don't understand. You don't want us to do that because if we do that, then it's going to expand out and it's going to get all over the windows. And those of you who have worked with it, it's the messiest stuff in the world. If you get it on your hands, you're going to have it on your hands for over a week. Like, it doesn't come off. It's extremely messy. Um, and, and once it gets on the windows, it's, it's really hard to scrape it off. So we're like, Alva, listen, you do not want us to do that. And he's like, no, I'm pretty sure I want you to use the red can, one per window. And we went back and forth on this forever, and we would, he would not budge one little bit, right? He was not willing to budge. He was convinced that this is how you do it, even though he had probably never put a window in, in his entire life. He was convinced that this is how you do it. So we told him, we're like, Alva, that's fine. We'll do what you asked, but we're not cleaning up the mess. You know, that's going to be on you. So we did. We went through, and we put that expand foam, a whole can, in every window, and wouldn't you know, the entire window, I mean, you, we had foam this thick coming out of the windows all throughout the entire thing. He, and he, he was just not willing to. And, and that's, what, that's what the Lord is saying here, that we have to, in order to approach the kingdom realm, we have to be teachable. We have to be pliable. Many times as adults, we get in this thing of that we just, we've been around the block We've experienced a lot of things in our life, and we just know, we're just kind of know-it-alls. We've become know-it-alls. You can't approach the kingdom that way. Our word for, our word again for the year is wonder. What it says here is approach in childlike wonder. Again, the, the, the definition of wonder is that it is beyond our own intelligence, that it is beyond anything that we can know or comprehend, that, that there is Mysteries unknown to us that if we're going to step into wonder, we have to be willing to be teachable. We have to be willing to admit that maybe we don't know everything there is to know about this gospel. And that maybe some of the things that we thought we knew, we didn't know. That maybe sometimes, maybe throughout this process of, look, of, of coming into childlike wonder, we're going to have to admit that some of the things we thought we knew, we didn't really know. And in order to approach the kingdom, in order to gain wonder in the kingdom, we have to learn to be teachable, we have to learn to be pliable, and we have to be able to come to the Lord as a child does. Amen? Here's, here's the things about, about kids. Kids don't feel the pressure of knowing everything like adults do. Therefore, they don't operate in pride, but rather in humility. Because when you come as a know-it-all, what is really behind that is a pride, is pride. It's pride in that, that, that you don't want to admit that you could be wrong or that you could not know something. So, but kids don't struggle with that. Kids don't struggle with that, and, and they, they, um, they're okay with 
feeling, or they're, they don't feel the pressure to know everything, and because of that, they walk in humility. They trust completely. They have faith in their moms and dads to guide them without always having to know why, right? They have, they, they have trust in their, in their mother and father to guide them without always having to understand or know the answer why. And it's not that kids don't ask questions, because if you have a kid or if you've been around a kid, you know that that's not true. They ask questions about every five seconds about every little thing, right? So it's not that the Lord by us asking questions or doesn't want us to ask questions. Here's the difference. My kids ask questions not from a lack of trust, but from a place of desire to understand. They desire to understand. They fully trust mom and dad's judgment. So when they ask questions, it's not that they're challenging us or that they are asking the question in some sort of defiance. It's that they, are, they have a desire to understand why. They have a desire to understand why. The Father loves to teach us. He's not wanting to hold back the answers. But, what, but, but there's a difference between asking a question out of trust and asking a question, um, I, I guess the only way I can think to put it is out of, out of a distrust, out of a like, God, why did you do this kind of a thing? You, know, you understand what I'm saying? Um, I don't know how, how better to explain that, but I think you all understand what I'm saying. That, that we have to ask out of trust. So, so questions are good, but we have to ask out of trust. Amen? So in order to approach the kingdom like a child, we have to be teachable and we have to be pliable. Amen? Number two, and, the, and here I've mentioned this several times already today, children are unhindered by the opinions of others. They don't care what anybody else thinks, right? I'm talking about kids. That, that word patty on there, um, there's different... Uh, words for different ages in the Bible. That word patty on there is, is an age group somewhere between like three to eight. So it's that kind of age group. And I have three kids between that age group, and I can tell you that they don't care what you think. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. They, they don't have an opinion. Let, let me give you an example. A few, a few months ago or several months ago, I think towards the beginning of the school year or sometime, my time frame is totally messed up, so I'm, I have no idea when this was, but it happened. Um, the school, Madison Grant, not a superhero night with their mom, with moms. And so they were going to get together. The kids could dress up. The moms can dress up. They're going to have the superhero night. Amber spent probably two weeks looking for the perfect Wonder Woman t-shirt because she didn't want it to be too crazy, you know. She didn't want to go all out, but she, she wanted to be obviously Wonder Woman. And we, we spent probably a week or two weeks going to different stores trying to find the, the right Wonder Woman shirt that wasn't too overboard or too crazy, right? Malachi, on the other hand, didn't take long to figure out what he wanted to wear. Full garb Superman with the muscles, with the long flowing cape, everything, right? And, and it, there's, there's uh, the example there. Amber spent two weeks because she, she did care what everybody else kind of thought about her at the school. Yes, she will admit to that. Malachi, he was Superman. He didn't, he didn't care what anybody thought, if they thought his costume was overboard or not. He was Superman, right? He, that that wide-eyed wonder of a child, that he was lost so much in being Superman 
that he didn't care what anybody else thought about him. It's, it's, uh, it's to be childlike is to lose or to be uninhibited by the opinions of others. I've got a short video I want to show you. This is Malachi uh, when he was probably around three, maybe four years old. I think about three years old. So let me show you this video. Also, just to show you just what it looks like to be totally free from the opinions of man. Totally free from the opinions of man. Malachi did not care who was watching or who was videotaping. He was going to dance to whatever. I don't even know what song that was. Anybody know what song that was? No? It was the keyboard demo. (laughs) Malachi can rock to anything, I'm telling you. Totally uninhibited by the opinions of man. Let me ask you this question. What would your life look like if it was uninhibited or uninfluenced by the opinions of others? What, what, let me ask you this. Would you be more bold? Would you take more risk? What, what would your life look like if you were uninfluenced by the opinions of everybody around you? And if you are picturing somebody that is not currently who you are, then you are living in bondage to the opinions of man. If it's anything besides who you are now, then you are living in bondage to the opinions of man. What would your life look like if you were unhindered by the opinions of everybody else? And this is what the Lord is saying. To approach the kingdom in childlike wonder, you have to become uninhibited by the opinions of everyone else. What would your worship look like if it was unhindered or uninfluenced by the opinions of those around you? That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about entering into a freedom and worship that that there is an that we are uninfluenced by the opinions of those around us. I want to show you this other video. It's just it's a little bit longer. It's not real long. It's of uh, of kids ramp actually. Amber and I were at this one with the kids this last summer. Um, and what I really want you to focus on in this recap video is the expression of worship uh, of these kids. So when the, when the camera pans on the kids, that's where I really want you to focus is on the kids worshiping in this, in this video. So, Chad, go ahead and play that video as well.
to keep your heart in the presence of God if you want the work of God that He's planting in you this weekend to continue to grow and grow and grow. There's a big difference in knowing about God or knowing God. God doesn't just want you to know about Him. He wants you to receive Him and let Him live in your heart house. Every single person that's ever been on the planet, including you, He knocks on the door of your heart to see if you'll open the door. this key to unlock the plans he has for you, to unlock fresh place of relationship with God, to unlock the purposes that he has for you. Without this key, you'll always be limited. You'll always be incomplete. But with this key, you can do impossible things. God can use you to pray change things in your city, in your school, and in your family, and you're going to change your world. What would your worship look like if it was uninfluenced by the opinions of others? You know, I don't, I don't think uh, it's coincidence either that we begin having the kids join us in the room for worship, and that was a decision between Amber and Della, and I think it was the right decision, and, and, and here's I really believe that the kids are going to begin leading us in worship. That, that the expression of our kids is going to begin leading us, the adults, into worship on Sunday mornings. Because they're uninhibited. That if they catch the wonder of God, man, there's not going to be any stopping them from expressing their joy before the Lord. So what does it look like to be unhibited by the opinions of others? What does it look like to be totally uninterested in the other in others' opinions and to, only influenced by the wonder of who he is? What would your worship look like if the opinions of others was not a factor, if the only thing that influenced your worship was his sacrifice and his love? For the kids, it looked like singing at the top of your lungs, even though you're off pitch, right? It looks like dancing around the room. It looks like, like crying in the presence of the Lord. And some people would, would ask, isn't that just being emotional? Isn't that just uh, creating an atmosphere where uh, your emotions can take charge? And it's not, you know, is it just, is it just emotionalism? And to I would say it absolutely is emotional. But shouldn't it be emotional? Shouldn't our worship be emotional? Man, if he's done for you what he's done for me, 
I'll tell you what, there is no expression of worship that is too crazy or out of the box to give to him. If you think it's too emotional, tell that to the prostitute in the Bible who washed Jesus' feet with her hair and her tears because he had given, forgiven her of so much. Tell that to Peter who denied Jesus three times to his face and Jesus meets him at a campfire and forgives him, restores him, and calls him the rock of the, of the church. Tell that to the man uh, who was possessed by a legion of demons, who was cutting himself, who was, was alone, naked in a graveyard, that was breaking chains because of the legion of demons inside of him, and then Jesus comes and with one word completely sets him free. Tell that man that his worship is too emotional. Tell the, the young kids whose parents were on the brink of divorce and Jesus came in in one moment and set their marriage back on track and brought them back together. Tell those kids that their worship is too emotional. Or the drug addict. We had one a lady come in uh, several, uh, at the, I don't know, sort, sometime last year named Tia Brewer who wasted her life in drugs, that, that, that drugs had completely consumed her life. She lost her career. She lost her family. She lost everything, spent her days in a basement, unable to talk because the drugs had so affected her system and got invited to a worship service that she didn't want to go to finds herself in the middle of the worship service at the altar, penting and having an encounter with God, and from that moment on, never took another drug in her life. Tell me that that woman's worship is too extravagant. And I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you that those people who have been forgiven so much are unhindered by your opinion. They don't care if you think they're too extravagant. They don't care if you think they're jumping or they're, they're, they're shouting, their hands in the air, they're crying. They don't care if you think it's emotionalism because they would tell you that it absolutely is emotional. Because if he did for you what he did for me, you'd, you'd be reacting the same way. What would our worship look like if it was unhindered by the opinions man. The Bible says that, uh, I don't have the scripture up there, but the Bible says that um, he who is forgiven much loves much. Is that, is that right? He who has been forgiven much loves much. And I, I'm looking around the room, and some of you have some pretty radical testimonies, but for the most part, what I see is a, is a group of people who, who have lived good lives. Most of you have been Christians your entire lives. Uh, you've been you've been a very conservative person. You've been very uh, just uh, moral, and or have have led a very uh, upright life. And so so it's hard to imagine when when you hear when I I know at least when I heard that scripture, uh, when I hear that scripture, my immediate thought is, well, I guess I can't love much because I haven't been addicted to drugs. How many of you ever wish you had one of those testimonies? Right? You're like you hear that and you're like, man, I wish I had drug problem at one point in time in my life. You know, I know you've all done it before. So, um, but we, we think that because we haven't lived a, a, a lifestyle of radical sin, that maybe we don't 
have as much love to give back to the Father. And I want to tell you that that is absolutely a lie. The Bible says that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. That there's not one of us that was good enough to inherit eternal life. Not one of us was without sin. The Bible says that all of us fall short into sin. All of us were radical sinners. All of us have, have sinned radically against the king and his kingdom. All of us have been forgiven more than we could ever imagine. That you have, that you have inside of you um, the ability to love much because you have been forgiven more than you could ever imagine. What would our worship look like if we were uninhibited by the opinions of others? Where our only care, our only desire was to honor the Lord in wonder, in childlike, wide-eyed wonder. What if we begin to approach the Father like that? I'm going to end with this here. If you're anything like me, you've read this scripture that tells us to approach the throne in childlike wonder, and then you immediately think what Paul says in 1 Corinthians when he tells us to put away childish things. And it seems like we have a paradox there, right? Yeah, there's, there's the verse. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So the question is, is, is which is it? Do we come as a child or do we put away childish things? And I love Damon Thompson, uh, who's, who's, who's an incredible minister, says this. He says that, that revelation lies in the tension let me, let me just read it because I'm going to mess it up if I don't. Revelation exists in the tension between two seemingly contradictory things. That in the middle of what looks like is contradiction, there's actually revelation, and that's actually where we can gain insight, further insight about the Lord. That the Bible doesn't actually contradict itself. What looks like contradictions is actually re a revelation that's waiting to be unburied. So what we see here is, is what seems to be a contradiction. Jesus tells us to become like a child, that in fact, if you don't become like a child, you can't inherit the kingdom. But Paul tells us that we need to put away childish things. So which is it? Do we become like a child or do we uh, put away childish things? And you'll learn as you study the Bible and as you study theology that every question is yes and no. Because it's real helpful like that. The Bible, not confusing at all. But the answer to this question is yes. Do we come like a child or do we put away childish things? The answer is yes to both. That, that we put away childish things, but we come like a child. How does that work? Have you ever been around an old person? You're sitting beside someone right now that's probably old. We won't point any fingers, but you know who you are, right? They're full of wisdom this is, this is the general consensus. This isn't all old people, but this is the general consensus. They're full of wisdom, they're full of maturity, and they're totally uninfluenced by your opinion. Have you ever walked through Walmart and passed an old person who passed gas right beside you? They did not care. They didn't say, excuse me? totally uninfluenced by your opinion. <laughs> the, 
the most mature person in the room is not the smartest, is not the most dignified, the most eloquent, or even the oldest person in the room. The most mature person in the room is the one that knows how to properly respond to the goodness and the wonder of the Father without the opinions of another person. How do you put away childish things? You lose your pride, and you come to him like a child, unhindered by the influence of man. The most mature person in the room isn't the one who knows all the theology um, and knows all of the answers in the Bible. The most mature person in the room is the one who knows all the theology and all the answers, but doesn't need you to know that he does. He doesn't need you to know that he knows all the answers. That though he knows a lot of things, the most important thing he knows is that there is more in God. And that as long as he continues looking to God in childlike wonder, he will always discover more. That is what it means to walk in childlike wonder. We're not immature. He's not telling us to be immature. He's telling us to approach him without the influence of man and to be willing to be teachable, knowing that even though you know a lot, there's more to discover. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, oh man, we so honor you this morning. God, I pray that you would do two things in us this morning, that you would grow us up out of childishness, and that you would grow us into childlikeness. Father, that we would be able to approach you in wide-eyed, childlike wonder. God, that we can enter the kingdom because we come in childlike wonder. God, may we never lose our wonder of you. May we never be get so calloused um, and so... Uh, full of knowledge that we lose our wonder of seeking you, Jesus. God, I pray that you would give us a grace to become uninfluenced by the opinions of those around us. Not that we don't care about the people around us, but that we are more uh, concerned about seeking your face in childlike wonder than we are about what others think about us. God, help us to lose our pride and to gain humility. God, show us what it looks like to walk a life or to live a life totally abandoned from the opinions of man and to walk in a life that's only concerned about the opinions of one, and that is the one we seek with all of our hearts, the one that has set us free from every sin that would entangle us, the one that rescued us even though we didn't deserve it and you had no obligation to, but the, that, that, our, that our, our influence would only be uh, or that we'd only be influenced by your opinion, Father. That one thing we would seek, and that is the Lord with all of our hearts and all of our strength. Let us approach your throne in childlike wonder. God, let 2020 be a year where we renew our wonder and our awestruckness of the Father. Hallelujah. May we never lose our wonder. 
There's a song that actually uh, Hayden Hyatt came up to me afterwards. Was, she's not here this morning, I don't think. I saw Chanda, yeah. Hayden came up to me after service last week. Almost, She started off almost in tears, and by the end of it, she was in tears. And she, she came up to me, and she said, Josh, the Lord has been speaking that word to me this, these past few weeks, wonder, and I did not understand what he was saying. And she said, even the two songs you referenced, if you, for those of you who were here last week or weren't here, I referenced two songs from the movie Frozen 2 um, called Into the Unknown and Show Yourself. She said, even those two songs that you referenced, like, I don't know why, but I've been listening to those two songs over and over again after I saw that movie, and I, I didn't really know why, but I just felt the, the Lord in them. And, and she said, and then the understanding of why, you know, came this morning. And she said this as well. She said, and I've had this other song on repeat over and over again. And I, I, will, I just listen to it and just the presence of the Lord comes in. And I just, I just begin weeping as I'm listening to this song. And the song says this. It's, it's super simple. It's from uh, Amanda Cook is the lady who sings it. And she, it says, uh, may we never lose our wonder. Then it says, wide-eyed and mystified, let me come just like a child. Staring at the, what is it? Staring at the face of the one I love, I think. Yeah, or of our king or something like that. Wide-eyed and mystified. And then it, later on it goes, you fascinate me. You fascinate me. And, and it's, it's a real simple song, but it totally, it just absolutely captures what I feel like the Lord is sharing this morning. That we would never lose our wonder. That we would be wide-eyed and mystified and come before him as a child. And I believe that's the grace that the Lord is giving us here at Harmony, and that in that grace, He's going to begin to pour out these other things. Amen? Amen. If you, if you believe that, we're going to enter into that. Shout amen. amen. All right. Hey, I'll have you all Pentecostal before the end of the year. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, you all have an incredible week. Seek the Lord with all your heart this week. Come, come into these services expecting to encounter the presence of the Lord because you've already been encountering him in your own personal life throughout the week. Amen? Amen. We'll see you all next week. Thank you.